welcome. My name is Timothy Saunders. I am one of your trio of co-hosts on this 60th edition of The Other Side of the News. I'm speaking to you this early morning from a semi-lockdown weekend from Turkey's Aegean coastline, which for many of you may be situated on the other side of the planet. As the dawn chorus begins to warm up here, hopefully you are relaxing into your evening, eager to hear some fascinating insights from our latest guest. Soon be joined by co-host and producer Kintia, together with co-host and researcher Annette Driscoll, who are speaking this evening from the infamous wheelhouse in the Golden State. This show is entitled Legacy of Knowledge. We frequently re- reference how we form our view of reality through our perception of the surrounding environment, how the words we choose are reflections of our thoughts, and how the resulting interactions with those around us can, for many, form an outer shell or surface identity. Most people, when asked who they are, will answer with a little title of their job, or perhaps give a few words to describe what task occupies most of their time. Some will pensively offer their life goal or mission statement. However, very few will choose to volunteer any more true or accurate words than this, as everyone likes to sound and feel like they are in total control of their destiny. From the moment we take our first breath outside the womb, we are guided along a path that we hope is safe. The fortunate ones, who are guided by kind individuals, learn the true meaning of trust. However, not all are so lucky. At kindergarten and lower school, we are taught to emulate and conform, to adopt a chosen identity. Some schools dress their pupils in the same outfit, and some still even separate males from females. Although there is also an alarming movement in some schools to influence young minds, far too young in my opinion, that they may select their own gender. The content of the syllabus in schools is of course the main part of the programming. And one of the first mathematical principles taught is Venn diagrams and set relation theory, which illustrates simple set relationships in probability, logic, statistics, linguistics, and computer science. I believe this may be one of the key forks in the road where inexperienced individuals are heavily encouraged to split their mind away from their feet on the ground, first-hand, soul-connected experiences in favor of creating a statistical or virtual interface with which to experience their life. Many well-known names are often quoted as saying, we live in a virtual reality. While I would naturally encourage everyone to expand and involve themselves, the key point to regard here is, while in balance, a very effective meditation process to gain balance with a view to expand understanding of the past while strengthening intuition for the future is to separate each present experience into physical, emotional, and mental folds. This alerts one mind to become more present in the here and now after some practice. This same principle may be used to categorize all past experiences This can be crudely compared to tidying up the directory on a computer hard drive. It is amazing how many memories are inappropriately tying together physical, emotional, and mental elements. This process can really detox the body, de-traumatize the emotions, and clear the mind of noise, promoting strength, focus, and well-being. In today's world, 
We are some 18 months into a deliberate attack on humanity, the COVID-19 pandemic. While the number of people awakening to this truth continues to rise significantly, there remain many who still do not know anything beyond their perception of mainstream and social media. How do we reach these people? I believe it is a first necessary to understand how do we really know anything, or by experience, of course, by seeing with your own eyes. While that works on a local basis, travel is required to experience events further afield. And if travel is not possible, not permitted, or is simply unobtainable, then it comes back to trust. It is either necessary to trust the experiences conveyed by others or to carefully police oneself to only know about your own local experiences, treating anything else outside as speculation. People used to say, I take that opinion with a pinch of salt, meaning discernment is engaged on some level. Today, people are all too ready to give the impression they know everything about everything. Sadly, based largely on a house of cards. Of course, the excrement in the ointment is the source of this information for some 70 years. How many generations is that? Is mainstream and subsequently social media. That's a very selective and superficial education system. Needless to say, mainstream and social media, which employs an army of marketing strategists behind them, its common source also originates from a surprisingly small number of individuals aided by AI. People used to trust mainstream media. I know I used to many decades ago. The problem is many people still do trust it. They are programmed to on multiple levels. So how can we move forward from here? Mainstream and social media seems hell-bent on disrupting any form of balance in our society, attempting to segregate, to break down our families and our beliefs, to create cognitive dissonance. So discernment is key. If mainstream sources cannot be trusted, then reliable independent sources are required. Not only that, each reliable source must be cross-referenced. While this may sound like a lot of extra work, you may have noticed humanity is literally at a key point in time when the minority strategy does not seem to favor the majority of humanity. Another noteworthy point to consider, though, the barrier, the barrage of lies quickly starts to diminish, quickly makes space for more truth and trust. As this process builds momentum, one begins to feel empowered through an increase in frequency, which in turn can lead to an awareness that humanity is in fact far more connected than it is disconnected. Some call this connection universal consciousness. This heightened awareness is nothing new in fact knowledge has been hidden for eternity, often placed in plain sight, in texts, in architecture, in the form of symbolism, waiting the right individuals and the correct time to be unlocked. I very much look forward to hearing our guests' perspective regarding this essential awakening process, all with a view to illuminate the best path to lead us to a positive outcome. You may find us at www.theothersideofmidnight.com. Click on the other side of the news in the drop-down menu. Or kindly scroll to tonight's white, the other side of the news show banner. There you will see details for this show. Quick links to our bios, as well as links to our show items, references, and selected research. 
As usual, there's a huge collection of information to read, watch, and listen to, most of which has been handpicked from independent sources. I urge you to study them and even download your own copies sooner than later, as the censorship robots are working around the clock to rewrite our history in real time. During Earth's last seven rotations, We've once more been inundated by a deluge of remarkable events and headlines reported in the news. To discuss, validate, and present each topic in correct context could all too easily fill up an entire show by itself. As the other side of the news is not per se a typical news show, and in order to make the best use of available airtime, I believe we should plot a direct course to meet the rest of our team and to introduce our special guests, Joseph and Peggy Gill. Good evening, Kintia. Good evening, Aneta. Ladies, which Venn diagram do you find yourself in this week? Well, a better one, I'd say, than last week. Uh, so, as you know, we had our guest, Peggy Hall, last week, and she was talking about the things that they were doing at Trader Joe's. And so, uh, I have not personally gone to Trader Joe's, but I know Kenzia did, and she came home to tell me a story, and it was very much like what um, Peggy had described, what they were what they were basically being forced to not do. In other words, not have their draconian measures. And uh, so it's thunder from, from Kenzia, but it's kind of important for what I'm saying, because she's not the only one. There were other people in my life that reported nearly word for word identically the same thing so there definitely was a shift and that's pretty big um here in california where we're so restricted and they've got you know they've, they've been really pretty brutal so that was really great uh that we're making progress and i went to the the uh, post office yesterday and they didn't even try to get me to put a mask on it was fabulous. That's the first time I've walked into a post office and not had some kind of conflict about that. So there is some progress being made. And to your point about um, mainstream media and social media, this week, uh, Project Veritas released a really damning video on Facebook. A whistleblower was in there, and they, the whistleblower was revealing exactly how they were doing the algorithms, and they were targeting people that were... I'm going to shorten it and just say that that are not, uh, you know, they're going against the narrative. Let's just, just put it that way. So they also said, and they had to publicly say this, that they were no longer going to censor uh, people about uh, the origins of the uh, virus being from China. That's interesting because in just that statement that they put out, yes, they were censoring and they've admitted it. And now they're saying, well, we're not going to do that anymore. Because we've been talking about this on this show since March of last year, exactly all of the, the, uh, all the connections with the money and Fauci and the patents and all of that. So our audience has been aware of this, but now the general public is really getting a good snootful because, you know, they last, well, I don't know, it was about a week and a half, two weeks ago, Rand Paul, uh, he's a representative, he was, basically eviscerating Fauci on, on the stand. And then also Senator Kid, Kennedy also did a pretty interesting one. And so, and then yesterday, the emails, the personal emails were dropped. And there are, it is very, very damning. Clearly, they were aware, they were plotting and planning. It's, and it's in plain English in these emails. So 
but it has started. Uh, there, it is more and more mainstream. But again, the mainstream is is you know that's a hot potato they're not picking up. Uh, the, you know, CNN was very outed with Project Veritas about a, I don't know around a month ago, and of course they didn't report on that. But what they are reporting on, which is really interesting, is the fact that they're they don't admit that their listenership is down to nothing, which it is. But they are reporting on some of the shows, as we know, when they had the Oscars or the Academy Awards, whichever you'd like to call it, they had a very, very poor showings. And that's not the only thing. Well, the same thing's true with the actual media. If you look at the ratings, they're terrible. And they're now attacking uh, the alternate news platforms because, well, they consider that to be competition. And indeed it is. It turns out that many of the things that I listen to have more people listening to them than the broadcast news from CNN or um, CBS or those different things like that or MSM. They actually have more people tuning in on YouTube live feeds, et cetera, than they do on television, which is really fascinating and great. So there are all kinds of fissures. As, as Timothy said last week, there are fissures in this dam that the water starting to ooze out and we are starting to get people to you know look that have been really not looking so you know everything's starting to come forward um i don't have the numbers in front of me i, I know that we have 131 million registered voters in the united states and if you just take the numbers of uh, 75 million votes for Trump and 80 million for Biden. And, and you just, you know, do the math. There's something wrong with that number because the number of votes that came in is much greater than the registered voters. And that's to say that would be 100% of voters turning out. So people are starting to scratch their heads and go, hmm? Huh? And there are, there, and there's, there's a lot of progress being made that with that area too in, in election fraud. You know, the media is jumping up and down and saying that, that this isn't right and stuff. Well, you know, it's an audit. They're not, they're not changing the vote. They're just looking at it. Was it correct or not? So whoever's lying or cheating or doing whatever they're doing, they get caught. And then if they're not, they shouldn't be worried about a thing. Right. So now the audits have uh, expanded to six states, which is Georgia, of course, Arizona, Michigan, um, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and New Hampshire. And it will continue to spread. So these are all very good things that it is getting out in mainstream. People are having to look at this. Um, there are also numbers released this week about the data uh, as far as the, the, the jabs, the lethal jabs going. And, you know, the numbers bear out that it's, uh, it's much more dangerous to get a jab than to actually get the, the dreaded non-existent virus thing going. They've, they've relabeled the flu there. Uh, so it's, you know, it's all coming out and I'd say there's so much more to talk about with the international stuff and all that, but we have this great guest, so I'm not going to go into that right now, but you know, there, I would say, I feel very positive that we have forward momentum and that we are making progress and things are starting to break and that it's been a long haul. And I really do feel that what we have here is just the beginning of it. And as the pressure builds up on that dam, as an analogy, uh, then it when it when it lets go, it's going to be a it's going to be a lot coming at you in a hurry. And so, yeah, I'm feeling very good about it. So that's that's what I'm going to say for this seven days.
Well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> I am enjoying some relief. And I will just comment that when I went into Trader Joe's, what I noticed first was there was no guard at the door and there were no signs about masks and social distancing. But I walked in and I had, of course, no mask. And I landed up talking to five employees going through the register. All of the employees were wearing masks. But more than that, all of the shoppers were wearing masks. I was literally the only one in the store not wearing a mask. And I was greatly relieved that I wasn't accosted by some shopper, which has happened in the past. So, you know, yes, they're re- they are relaxing the, quote, restrictions. However, the people are now still so brainwashed that they're just doing it. And I went out in the parking lot and I saw a lady getting out of her car and going to put on her mask. And I said, you don't have to wear that. She said, I don't. I said, no. I said, I, she said, I won't get kicked out. I said, no. And I told her of my, my, uh, what happened for me in the store. So it's going to take a while for people to really realize that things are changing. They're already so hypnotized, at least here in the Bay area. And I, I admit, you know, this is, a high tech area. And so it's under more of um, an attack, if you will. So I don't really want to spend much more on that. I'm so excited to bring on our guests. They are uh, an amazing couple. I, I consider them an inspiration for me because I love travel. And uh, our guests tonight are Nancy and Joseph Gill. For the past 20 years, they've enjoyed traveling around the world to over 150 countries, delving into little-known cultures in remote locations, mixing with the locals, savoring their distinct cuisine, and photo-documenting their customs. It's as if they were literally traveling through the pages of National Geographic. Their passion is to gift universities far and wide with the largest digital library in the world worth $35 million and making it available to students who are, you know, don't have many resources. And this library is actually bigger than the other library that they make available, which is archive.org. So Joseph grew up in Vancouver, Vancouver, Washington, His mother was an avid traveler, and in the summers, they traveled extensively together. In those early days, travel was very different. He noticed the jewelry stores on his travel, and it occurred to him that the jewelry business would allow him to continue traveling as an adult. Wow. And his father was was an orthopedic surgeon and senior professor at the University of Oregon Medical School. He always encouraged Joseph to learn new things and arranged for Joseph to study geology, which became Joseph's first love. He graduated with a Bachelor of Science from Portland State University in both geology and physical geography. This became the foundation for a very successful gem business that supported his love of travel and adventure. By the way, he's the one who sold 
that beautiful diamond to Richard Burton for Elizabeth Taylor. That'll give you a hint. And and Joseph has been a guest on Richard's weekend show, so you may want to look him up there. So anyway, this became the foundation for a very successful gem business. His love of gems started him on building the most extensive gem library in the world and led the way to expand his library to over 700,000 books, all completely organized on every topic imaginable, including original books of Isaac Newton. Joseph went on to make a large portion of his library available to the world at large on archive.net org, forgive me, archive.org, which includes the widely used Wayback Machine to access pages no longer available on the web. Archive.org is the most important site on the web containing a massive collection of books on every topic, over 10 million books, including the rarest books and manuscripts from the early 1400s, thousands of scanned books from the British Museum, a Gutenberg library, and an original copy of the United States Constitution. Nancy was raised in nature in an isolated North Wisconsin, surrounded by a small loving family where she developed a sturdy sense of survival. She went to the university and later married and then went on to become a proud single mom of two amazing kids. Her adventure took her to Hawaii where she and her children explored the length and breadth of the islands, camping, hiking, backpacking, snorkeling, paddling outrigger canoes, and on and on. They even traveled around the world for a year. She met Joseph, an intriguing, unique man, to say the least. (laughs) Guess where? At a funeral. (laughs) Who who would imagine? (laughs) They fell in love, both of them world travelers. They reduced their belongings, get this, to five boxes each and set off on the great adventure. They have been exploring this fascinating planet nonstop together for close to 20 years. After two months of marriage, Nancy was diagnosed with cancer. Firing the doctors eager for surgery and chemo, she healed herself naturally. This launched her on 20 years of exploring the human body and what keeps us healthy, body, mind, and spirit. Nancy has worked as an outdoor education director, producer with children's television, professional model, family and children's counseling, teacher of ESL, and activist. So welcome, Nancy and Joseph. Welcome to the other side of the news. Hello. 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 So great to have you with us. Thanks for having us. We're speaking from Southeast Asia. Wow. You, and, I, I uh, have to say I'm really jealous. When I look at these photos on your website, folks, you have to go to their website, which is uh, worldglobetrotters.com. Dot com. And has over, yeah, has over 7,000 pictures on it, which I take the pictures, and Nancy does all of the writing. She's become a great writer. 
And, and we have about two, 200,000 viewers a month, so it's quite exciting. Yeah, from all over the world, and there's nothing for sale, and we do not accept advertising. We could make a lot of money with a website, but we instead educate a lot of people. We just want to share. Yeah. Yeah, we've actually found new cultures that were... We were in northern Vietnam, and there was a culture out there that we found that the archaeological museum in Vietnam didn't even know about themselves. <laughs> they didn't the know about themselves? Uh, yeah, in the archaeological museum, they didn't even know about it. That was on the border of China in northern Vietnam. Yeah. So, And I've met with the king of the pygmies and many other places. So, We've had quite a fantastic travel adventure. Oh, I know. When I look at those photos of the two of you in these remote locations and, and, and the strange modes of travel, I mean, it's like, uh, it really is National page. Geographic. Well, yeah. we've actually, we're out in the Gaigo Kingdom in Gugai Kingdom in Western China before National Geographic got there. They arrived after we were there. Yeah. <laughs> and did a documentary while we were there. Yeah. Uh, we ended up being friends with a writer, but it's, uh, we, we've been on the, well, you, you know, the opening picture on our website, worldglobetrotters.com, says it all. We're sitting in the back of a truck, a delivery truck, well, and, and we're, we're, and behind us running is a wild elephant, and he's trying to get the bananas that, Nancy and I are sitting on in that picture. <laughs> so he's a wild elephant running behind the truck, just trying to get away from the elephant. They run, you know, about thirty miles an hour. Oh and and he wanted those he wanted oh those God. bananas. So we just waved and said, We'll keep the bananas. Yeah. And then oh, we and went there was to so many the, people on that truck. I mean, how many people oh, were on there besides the oh, oh, I don't know, maybe twenty five. Hanging on. That's and the way you a, get around up there. There's bumpy, no bus. It was a bumpy, dusty road, and all you could see were our eyes when we got took our sunglasses off at the end. But the yeah. but the most amazing thing was they were all wearing their indigenous outfits. Something yeah. that I saw in nineteen sixty one around the world. So yeah, and when when we took the truck in there, uh, we actually ended up hiking into the border of the Congo to meet the pygmies. And it was really interesting because they greeted us at the beginning of their, their little village and they said, are you missionaries? And we said, and I no. said, I said, no. And they said, well, welcome in. Come on in. <laughs> didn't, didn't want any missionaries. Yeah. So, um yeah, we've had some amazing adventures. Well, I, I think you're so blessed to have found each other, you know, to have two people that enjoy traveling and to be so adventuresome and bold. What a gift. What and a we're gift. still talking to each other. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would like to report a worldwide great discovery on this show. We have been traveling for 20 years, all through Central Africa, through China, everywhere you can even imagine, places you can't imagine. We've used MMS every day for the last 10 years. We used to know Jim Humble, and we know his, his, his successor, who is now in jail, and uh, still in jail. 
Well, I want to pick that up more, but you know what? We're at the bottom of the hour. So when we come back, um, I'd like to pick it up with Nancy on health. (laughs) So you're listening to The Other Side of the News. Our guests tonight are Nancy and Joseph Gill. And our show is entitled Legacy of Knowledge. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dr. Andrew Kaufman, Natural Healing Consultant. Welcome to the other side of the news, where they're open to hearing the truth and take it seriously. The first thing you got to look at is the methods, like nothing else matters, because that's where they describe the experiment. So then you can decide if what you can conclude from the experiment, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And that's really, really important because... You know, they make false claims and people don't understand how to use statistics and all these things could be misleading. What I notice that they do now is they put the method section at the very end. And in some papers, it's in a separate document that's like an addendum. So in other words, they just present the the results and conclusions and an introduction section and nobody looks at the methods. But that's the most important thing, because if you don't know that, you don't actually know what they did. Because, you know, there's a lot of art to experimental design. And, uh, you know, some people can be very clever about it. Some can be very elegant about it. But there's also like many ways that things could be fudged. And there's books on this, right? Like one of Bill Gates' favorite books, How to Lie with Statistics. Then, you know, you have the John Ioannidis article, which is one of the most highly cited papers where he says more than half of all published research is false. Right. So mm-hmm. but but how many scientists, when they go to read a paper, say there's a 50 percent chance that this article is false. So I better read it really carefully. Right. They don't do that. But all this clinical research, it's really just it's really marketing. It, that, that's what it is. It's not actual research. With this, the vaccine trials, you know, it, it's just they basically designed it exactly perfectly to show what they could say. You know, that bogus 95% effectiveness. Uh, that's the, the relative risk reduction of having a test. And it's not even the overall risk reduction would be like 0.4% but they describe it that way. It's a statistical trick where they could say 95%. And they also defined the outcome and then they had to wait seven days after the vaccine, but all the people who got sick within that seven days didn't count. You know, all kinds of uh, tricks. They're, they're, they're experts at this. They know, yeah. they know what they're doing and, and it's really hard to even figure out what they're doing. And welcome back to the other side of the news. Our guests tonight are Nancy and Joseph Gill. Excuse me. And our show is called Legacy of Knowledge. Co-hosting are Timothy Saunders and Annette Driscoll and myself, Kinzia. So let's continue this conversation. We've been getting barraged by text during the break. What is MMS? Okay. Well, we can... We were traveling around Australia 
our van, we blew our motor out, and we were on our way to Africa next. So we looked on the internet for something to help with malaria. It turned out that we spent four and a half years driving around and traveling to Africa and never got malaria because we had found out about the mineral medical mineral min, medical mineral solution miracle mineral solution it is basically legalized. just oh, yeah it's now legalized in bolivia you know 30 million people worldwide use it it's at a grassroots level because the fda is trying to take it down in america it's and what in Trump seven seven countries yes and trump Tried to bring it up, up, but he didn't do it correctly. Anyhow, what it is, it's basically a water purifier. You mix two solutions together, creates oxygen. So it's an oxidizer for the body. And you're 80% water. Yeah, and we're 80% water. So this is what we've used traveling for over 10 years. Never get sick. And, yeah, we, we don't get sick. You don't get the usual dysentery anymore or any of that. We haven't had dengue fever come back. And we were in towns in Africa where everyone had malaria and we didn't get it. So, um, yeah, it's great stuff. And um, I don't know. I think we, we try. It's, yeah, I think the people, most people need to research about it. Uh, things keep disappearing, of course, on the website. We have, we want to, you know, tell people about it, but, you know, they have to do their own research. Um, and keeping ahead one step ahead of censorship nowadays is really difficult. It is. But it's, worth, it's still available in the U.S. and places worldwide, and do your research. If you go to our website, there is a video on it that you should watch. I have, so it's in the health, it's in the health page. So. Okay, and yeah. I can add and, a link to the page here, too. Okay, great, Correct. great. <laughs> Well, that's amazing to think all those years you've traveled in all those places where you're being exposed to all kinds of different, you know, strains of bacteria and um, those little creatures. I'm blank. Right. <laughs> parasites. <laughs> lurking. Lurking, yeah. And parasites. And, right, yeah, right. Parasites are a big problem in, with our health. So I think one thing we learned, of course, is traveling, because we both had been world travelers before we got together, is that you need to keep your immune system strong. And we we look at health as preventive. We're vegan, and we, uh, we try to keep our immune system strong. We think health, health is freedom. If you have poor health, you have nothing. And so now we have the challenge of something completely different with all this BS with the COVID and the vaccines. And I want to say thank you. The introductions you gave were wonderful. It's nice to be with like-minded people. You feel a little bit alone sometimes. But anyhow, we've been at this for 20 years, so we're used to it. Um, I think one of the problems is that people, and what we're facing is that People don't want to take any self-responsibility. So they want to go to their doctor to be healed, their priest or minister to 
to um, have their spiritual life, the government to take care of them. Lawyers. And, yeah, lawyers for any problem. And health is something that is, you must be self-responsible. And we have watched our rights slowly get tightened. And this is the first time with this pandemic that actual health freedom is being challenged. But I want to tell people that, you know, you just have to be aware, do what you can, and then let it go. Never give up because we still have that right, the self-responsibility of our own health. And if you don't have good health, you don't have freedom. If you're spending all your time worried about what condition you are in or whatever, then you've lost it. So I want to say never give up. And it goes back, the good thing, good news about that is it goes back to very basics. The closer you can to the, the dirt, the ground, the better you are. So eating without anything being packaged or processed, um, eating your medicine, your food is your medicine. And you don't have to go off and get this treatment and this and this supplement. Just start from the grassroots, from the basics, and take care of yourself. And MMS, by the way, is under $20 a year, which is the main reason that the FDA is trying to shut it down now. Um, and and Joseph mentioned that in Bolivia that they're passing some bill that if the doctor does not recommend MMS, for a COVID patient that they will lose their license? I think that's what you told me. Yeah, it's a complete opposite. It's a complete opposite, you know, that our whole world is inverted now. And so what we're getting, like you said, there's a trend to flip this around. And before, like in the U.S., if someone has cancer, they are, the doctors are required to recommend surgery, radiation, chemotherapy. And if not, they can lose their license. And now in Bolivia, where they are, you know, they've realized the benefit of an oxidizer in the body, they're saying that you have to offer that as a solution. So whenever you see a flip like that, it's, it's just fantastic. It's, it's uh, and heartwarming. Yeah. So um, other countries are starting what it takes. You know, we're all lazy. You need that hundredth monkey thing. So we just have mm. to keep at it, keep at it pushing um and hopefully people somewhere you plant the seed and somewhere it's going to sprout because you just yeah baffled by these people who are the shade of denial down and they don't want to lift it up you know so um yes and i and i appreciate that you point out how important it is to take responsibility for ourselves because my first link is by a doctor who's got credentials as long as your arm and legs together. <laughs> and he just uh-huh. goes on and on. And he right. goes in great detail to explain how the medical profession really botched up their handling of the COVID question. And, uh-huh. you know, so here you, you're, you're putting your life in the hands of people who are a profession that is listening to uh, not to their own conscience, but they're listening to the far, big pharma and uh, ignoring the things that work. And he points that out. So that's why it's so very important that we take 
responsibility for our own bodies and our own thoughts. And I liked in your pages, Nancy, on health, that you point out the correlation between your thoughts, your mental health, and your physical health. You want to say a little more about that? Yeah, there's a ancient Ayurvedic saying that I really like. Um, something: If you want to know what your mind was like in the past, look at your body now. If you want to know what your body will be like in the future, Look at your mind now. (laughs) And we are absolutely under attack. And I think that this is unlike any other time. And we must stay strong in in ourselves and uh, keep our inner connection and light strong because then this is what will get us through all this turmoil outside. And it will also radiate to the people around us. So really, you know, we like to say, oh, the power. They've got all the power. They don't have anything. If we as a group are strong inside, we don't buy into the fear, they have no power over us. And yes, we have to, you have to choose your battles, you know, like here in Indonesia. They are not, they're lax on the masks. And, and lockdown, people couldn't be locked down here or they'd starve to death. But they are shooting and pushing hard for 95% vaccination. So, you know, it's like you have to choose your battles, take care of yourself, keep your inner self strong, and then hopefully that strength can radiate to the people around you. And um, I think that... Um, It's just something that we can never give up on. We have to just know that we do have the power to topple the house of cards as such. Mm -hmm. And it's going to happen. And we're seeing things shifting around. And keeping ourselves. Yeah. Okay. No, that's okay. I was just going to say I so appreciate that both of you are the living model of that. I mean, like freedom with capital letters, not only in your travel, but in your mental state and the way you take care of your health. It's uh, very inspiring. Well, we've, I think it's a survival thing. And I also think that we have learned a lot. You know, what's happening now with all this transference or shedding, or it's not shedding, it's transference from vaccinated to unvaccinated people. This is scary. This is, puts it in a whole new league. And I think that we have to do what we need to do until we get more information and um, keep, keep looking for solutions. Um, I know that we've listened to like Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and, and she said that you should have ivermectin on hand uh, the ceramin is in pine needle tea, fennel, star, um, star anise, um, pine essential oil. And just, you know, keep your, again, back to keep your immune system strong. Um, I wanted to just say something else is that I'm very excited about uh, the work of Zach Bush and this. You can check them out at ZachBushMD.com. 
and he has a project because all of this power has, you know, our, our biosphere, everything is depleting. And they have taken a farm that was growing corn, let's say, genetically modified corn, and there was nothing left to the soil. It was all insecticides, fertilizer. And in one year, they have regrown the biosphere in there. Oh, and my this goodness. Is there. It's called, his project is called Farmer's Footprint. And all I want to say in closing is that I, I know that the evil cannot go on forever. There will always be good and bad. But the evil cannot go on forever. And when it is flipped, we do have resources. We're an amazing species. And mon- mankind keeps muddling along. And we will get over this. And with projects like this farmer's footprint, um, it proves that you can take this uh, soil void of anything and turn it around. We can do this with energy. We can do this with our health. So never give up. I found the site and I put it on on the page. And, you know, uh, Annette had a question relating to the uh, earth and sun and healing. Annette, do you want to come in? It seems like the perfect segue. It is. It is. Thank you. Hello. Hello, Nancy. Hello, Hello, Joseph. Hello. Hello. Uh, So, actually, that that soil thing is super exciting. We've uh, We've had two shows with farming and they have both indicated that a lot of the ways we can heal soil and uh, using all kinds of technologies, not just, you know, not just the conventional things that we think of, but also energetic things, which are very interesting. That's a whole show in and of itself. And um, I, I love, I love that idea. And I also want to point out to people that just as um, we had a situation going on in this country and where this country was being taken down and then it was, it was, you know, really, if we work together and we use our collective energies and frequencies to bring it up, we can move very rapidly and things can heal. It's an amazing, uh, amazing how fast the earth can heal. Uh, I have a friend who's really into mushrooms and there's a mushroom that they can put on the plastics that are floating around in the ocean and it actually feeds off the plastics, cleans up the plastics and creates a very edible mushroom that's very high in protein. So that's not my question. I just yeah. wanted to say that, but it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, don't give amazing. up hope, you know, yeah. don't give up hope Great because guy. we, ha- yeah, we have so many things, so many technologies that have been suppressed by the evil. And I really feel very strongly that we're, we're no longer even on the precipice. We're coming down the other side with this. So we are going to, we win, we know we're the good will prevail. Yeah. I, I have something to say. We are earning our freedoms back. We've lost our freedoms, our dependency upon government to take care of us. We used to get rid of that by having a war. Now we're having, we're we're earning our freedoms. And the founders of of the United States said, you have to fight to maintain your freedoms and has to be done in every generation. They're also willing to take them away. So we are earning our freedoms. We're earning our freedoms. And the more people that wake up, only 3% of the people living in America fought in the war for independence, 3% only. So the rest went to Canada. And <laughs> yeah, and they're still there, too. You know, I, There's a lot. I uh, mean, social testing ground. 
this is uh, what what it's doing though also on the positive side i think is that you know we do have a lot of people asleep at the wheel the sheeple or whatever you want to call them but the other side of that is is that i have been aware of a lot of things for a long time but i haven't been like ferociously protecting that freedom i am now you well, know a lot of people <laughs> a lot of people are are waking up that you know and never and never thought about this and never interested in any of this and it, it's causing the the awakening of the giant you know the slumbering giant it, is it, it well creeps seen. in it creeps in ever so slowly it's why the, the say about the encyclopedia salesman used to go from door to door once he gets his foot in the door you're in trouble and yeah. this is and I've seen over, I'm 72, and I've seen us go from total, pretty much total freedom to total socialism, waiting for the government to take care of us. We're hand, we're, we've got our hands out for everything, and now they're going to take our hands and pull us right in to communism, and we need to wake up and earn our freedom like they did when they got rid of the USSR. They got rid of that. And next will be China. There'll be the people in China. We spent 14 and a half months. You will never meet anybody in your life who's traveled more in China than we have. It's 14 and a half months of continuous moving, wonderful people everywhere, and totally suppressed by their own government, which is, yeah. you know, I mean, they're shooting themselves in the foot. They've got all these wonderful human resources over there that could do unlimited amounts of things, and they choose to control rather than let freedom take over. Well, that, that's what I say to people all the time. I do want to get back to the health question for Nancy, but I, I, on, on that point, I, I think it's really important for people to understand and acknowledge that when we're looking at any any place, whether it be Israel or China or Russia or whatever, it is, there are governments and there are the people. And there are a few people trying to do something correct in government, but by and large, we know it's not the case. And there's there's a very few, as Timothy calls them, the minority, because they truly are. And they are trying to run us. And the problem is, is that people have forgotten what government is, and they've turned it into their God, the one that they, they turn to, the one that's going to save them. And the bottom line is, just like with your health, you must save yourself on all fronts. You cannot depend on anybody else. And even even to the point that individuals, if you're going to help someone else, you better put that oxygen mask on first. And that's what people are having to learn the hard way. They've just completely fallen asleep. But I did want to ask a question before we get completely off topic here. And, and maybe you both can answer this. This is about, this, this is going to get to the topic where we, where we're talking about what we're going to go to. But with Earth, you know, we're on the planet Earth and we have a sun. And I have really for a long time had an interest in both the, the phenomenon, the frequency of earthing and also heliotherapy. And I was wondering, I mean, I know that we're going to talk about some of the other aspects of that, but on the healing side, what have you observed around the planet and what, you know, what, what are your, what's your feedback on those topics? It's everything well, that is. As we, as we traveled, um, one thing we did was try to source locally for, let's say there was something, uh, some herb for the immune system. That was always my leading question. Do you have something in your local custom? And I think that all over the planet, 
where we have continued to stay close to our roots, stay close to nature, people have survived better. Once they say, oh, let the allopathic, let the doctors and the chemical medicines take over, things have gone downhill. I, I had a, um, a story quick that uh, I had a bite on my eye in the jungle in Sumatra and that uh, it kept growing, growing this bump. So when we were in China, I thought, oh, this isn't good. So we went to the best hospital in the province capital, and I knew I had to have it cut out. And when we went there, um, she, she was very good, and it was state-of-the-art, and she put some deadener inside of my face. No acupuncture. And the problem was that I could still feel it. I said, oh, I can still feel that. So they could only offer a general anesthetic. I said, I'm in China. I've gone to acupuncture. Could you call in an acupuncturist, please? And you know what they said? We only have an acupuncture from 10 to 12 on Tuesdays and Thursdays <laughs> in China. So uh-huh. they have flipped. To, yeah. So all I'm saying is the closest. So I said, I just said, I've had two babies. I laid down. I said, cut it out. And they did. But, you know, the idea is that the further you get from our roots, from nature, from Creator, God, whatever you want to call it, your connection, the more problems you have. And we have to remind people to go back to that health-wise in our whole life, body, mind, spirit. Oh, well, thank you. Well, that brings me... The the sun is everything. That's what I was going to say. That brings me to the significance of the sun. So you take it away there. (laughs) Well, just, just imagine this, that what we're going through right now is nothing. What we've gone through in the First and Second World War is nothing. If we had an all-out total nuclear war, it would be nothing. What really is something is if you wake up, wake up tomorrow morning and you look outside and you, if you're lucky, see stars because the sun just went out, you're at an end. I mean, all these other considerations we can get away from. But without the sun, we ain't nothing. It's kind of like the elder that lives in the village that everybody's depended upon for years and years and years to come up with the answers. He's there. He's always there. We've always depended on him. He died last night. What are we going to do? So the number one thing, the number one thing in all of our reality is the sun, because without the sun, there'd be no life. There would be no life anywhere, and we'd be a big ball of ice. There would be nothing living in here because all the energy that comes to us is from one source, the sun. So it's no wonder whatsoever that all the religions, all of the belief systems are all based on the Son of God, the Son of God. My name is Joseph. My name means son. In ancient times, they had different names for men with the sun at different times of the day. And they could tell from your name where you were born, where you were born, and generally what time you were born. That's the sun was first and foremost in ancient times because it kept the lions away that came at night. And it, it, you had to hide in your cave. And 
and uh, the sun came out. There was freedom. There was there was uh, uh, truth, and and the sun brings us all these things, and that's the eye in the sky. The eye in the sky. That's the eye in the middle of the triangle. The triangle being the morning sun, the Brahma, the midday sun, Shiva, and the setting sun, Vishnu, and that's the original Trinity. The morning, midday, and the midday sun is called the destroyer. It's symbolized by white purification, and that's what the Pope wears because he's the destroyer. And Shiva wore that same thing. So, oh, uh, anyway, it, the sun is everything. And if you're interested in a summation of my 40 years of work, you can look on the uh, website for this radio show. And it'll take you to the origins of religion as told in symbols. It's two typed pages. I had 34,000 people read it in the first week that it was up. And it changes your life. Changes, it will change your life. The links are on the website. And I'm sure that the radio show will, will keep those up for a while. Yes, we'll keep that up. But um, do you have, we, actually, we're just, we're heading towards a break. But do you have like a little a little summary on your, your thing with sun because we're, you know, it's, it's critical to the rest of our conversation as far as the, you know, the importance on our planet. With it, how well, uh, the sun is everything. It's, there's okay. nothing, all the power that is, was, or ever will be is in the sun. And we get that power. You don't get enough vitamin D. You're, you're, you know, that's what happens in everybody's face in their house. They, they, they tell us that if you go out in the sun, you're going to get cancer. The truth is, if you have a lousy immune system, you've been eating wrong, you've been taking horrible care of your body, you've been leaving your, you know, if you want to go to a doctor, it's fine. But what you need to do is look at the doctor and see how healthy he looks. Because if you're putting him in charge of your health, then you're, you're crazy. You want to know that guy's in good health. And the best way to take care of good health is be responsible and do it yourself. The healthiest the, there was an actual study done by the Mayo Clinic. The further that you stay away from the hospital, the longer you live. That's an actual study. The I believe you it. Stay, and the pharmaceutical companies have taken over our investments and they've taken over our brains, you know. Joseph, I don't want pharmaceutical. Joseph, we're at yeah. that place. We're going to come back okay. after a break, okay? So okay. tonight we have... Uh, Nancy and Joseph Gill and our show tonight is called The Legacy of Knowledge and we will be back right after break. Midnight.com. Talk radio with pictures on demand. Liberate your hyperdimensional time scale and nonlinearly access over 400 hours of conversation at the cutting edge of science and thought. Join Club 19.5 to get access to exclusive content that fits your interests and time schedule. Filter episodes by guest or subject. 
membership costs $9.95 a month, $0.33 cents a day. Talk radio with pictures on demand. The other side of midnight.com. Just remember the virus that they say that is making everybody sick. Nowhere in the world, not one country, not one institution, not the CDC, nobody has this virus that's making us sick on file. It does not exist. All the Freedom of Information Acts are empty over and over again. The virus nowhere exists. So if that is correct and that's what they're telling us, how in the world can they be testing for it? How in the world can they be making this kind of injection to put in us to save us from this? So we need to start asking the obvious questions because by science and medicine, that makes no sense. I've never heard of that before. Are we able to purchase all those? And this was supposed to be a novel infection. You start looking at the big picture, you start looking at everything, you'll find this is actually a planned pandemic. This is not actually what they're telling us in the media. So then you have to ask the bigger question, why? So we have to look closely into this and what's very concerning is that none of the manufacturers or our government will allow any of us to analyze the vials. It's illegal for us to analyze them. They won't let us look in there. Well, why? If there's nothing to hide, why can't we see what's inside these vials? Because right now we have no proof that this virus even exists. What made people sick around the world, in my opinion, is many different things. And they used a testing mechanism that was faulty and that could cross-react with anything. It could literally cross-react with bacteria, with other flus, with other colds, false positives. So that's meaningless. So there's no proof of this supposed, you know, bad, weird virus affecting everybody. This is Dr. Carrie Made on the other side of the news. And I'm excited to be here because we have freedom of speech and no censorship. Welcome back. You're listening to The Other Side of the News. Tonight's show is Legacy of Knowledge, and we are delighted to be joined by Nancy and Joseph Gill. So, you guys have got off to a really good start, and I'm fascinated by this uh, subject we're now discussing about the sun. Joseph, the 
One of the points that I find very interesting is that the sun obviously goes through a number of different cycles and phases. And in 2019, thereabouts, we entered a, the beginning of a solar minimum, which goes on for around 11 years or so, which takes us nicely up to 2030, when all sorts of really friendly organizations like the World Economic Forum and uh, some of their good associates, Bill Gates included and so on, seem to be planning a whole new uh, Build Back Better beginning for us all. Do you think that there is any correlation between the end of the solar minimum and this new restart? Is, is there something between the lines that you know some people are missing? Joseph? Unmute, unmute. Leave everybody okay. still online. Just just one point. I believe I can see somebody's video, um, which may be soaking up all the bandwidth. Is is your camera switched on by any chance, Joseph? Is it possible to switch mm -hmm. it off, please, and then clear the audio track? No, it's it's not on. It's not on. I've got a piece of tape over my my. Yeah, uh, click the icon on your control panel next to the microphone to turn off the camera. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm still seeing uh, an image, which I think because of. Is that uh, better? Is that better? That's much much better. And your okay. Okay. Perfect. I got my tech. I got my technician here. She's sitting here. <laughs> Excellent. I, I, I will tell you, in answer to that question, I'll tell you the same thing that I told David Ike when he called me up. He was visiting in Florida, and three or four people uh, told him that he should call me up in Hawaii. My customers, people I dealt with on a daily basis, were like the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the DuPonts, the Mellons. I've dealt with, with uh, the, the king of Saudi Arabia was a friend of mine, and, and I knew all these people. And I've been to their house and gone out with them socially, that sort of thing. So they are who's running the show. And what David Icke is saying is absolutely true. So the last step that we need to go through is, and this, you know, this is people that are in well in pretty well informed can't make the step. We are a managed population. You need to listen to Charles Ford. And Ford says that we are a managed population, and they're trying to change the, the uh, climate for Earth for their own inhabitation. Now, we all know that aliens don't exist, and UFOs are all alive, and there's no other element in here other than, Earth, than man who has the biggest brain and can destroy the entire Earth in, in about 50 years. So it's, it's, uh, that's it. And like it or not. Now, you know, David Icke has leaned off of saying things like the aliens are running the place. And I have met them. 
Yeah. So I've done I've done a lot of counseling for the Smithsonian, the British Museum, and they've come to me regularly in times past about this. And it's true. Okay. So we need to fight for our freedom. We need to stand out. I always say that all the power that is, was, or ever will be is in each one of us right now. And we need to realize our power and stand up and say, we deserve to live. We deserve our freedom and we want it now. No questions asked. That's what needs to do. We need to have the great awakening. It has to be with the great awakening. No, absolutely. And I totally agree yeah. with you on that respect. And it's not just, yes, it's not chit-chat. It's, it's like inside of each one of us. And, and the worst thing you can do is use the word but, because that's behind us. We always have our but behind us. We need to look forward and forward to a new reality and learn from the past, like giving money to, to uh, black people because they were slaves 100 years ago. Well, most of the black people in America have moved on. They've got great jobs. They've got great lives. And, you know, it's good to learn from the past. And, and we interact with every culture in the world. And we do it on an equal basis. And we learn a lot more than if we do it on a superiority white race kind of garbage. So we, we move right into local areas in Central Africa and they want, to, they want to hear us, and Nancy and I are ambassadors, ambassadors for the rest of the world to these people. And we hope that, and we pray that we leave a good impression so that well, when they meet people, they're not blown away by how their stupidity. In, you know, indeed, and arrogant. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah and, it's, it, and uh, it's, you know, it, progress is so overrated. So overrated. I mean, the idea that I can put 700,000 books on a uh, 10 terabyte hard drive. I travel with 156 terabytes of information. 156 terabytes. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, and uh, the Library of Congress has about 10 terabytes of information on their, on, on, in their offices. But it's we need to go through a big change. We need to open up not only to different colors of skin, but different kinds of creatures because we're right on the threshold of meeting them. Joseph, and do you think with your amazing, your and Nancy's you know, incredible position that you have traveled so widely and you have this huge resource of knowledge and wisdom this legacy of knowledge, which we, we you know, entitled the show, at your fingertips, do you see that what we're going through now uh, is a repetition of something that's happened before? Does it go in cycles? Can you see any? Many times. Yeah, everything is cycle. Everything is the sun cycle. That's the reason why when we go from the summer, where it's nice and warm, what do we go into? What's that called, the next one? called fall, right? You call it fall, right, yeah. yeah okay, so we call, we're falling, right? Because the sun is moving away from us, from the more populated northern hemisphere to the southern hemisphere where there are less people, so it's called fall. And then, mm -hmm. you, get, then you get into winter, and that's when Jesus was born, September 25th, and that's exactly the December same, 25th. December the 25th, thank you, I've got my technician here. 
and and uh, that's that. Then at the end of winter, we which is horrible because we all get cold. We can't grow our crops, and we don't have houses, and we're stuck outside, right? That kind of thing. Then you have a spring, so we spring forth, and we go into Easter, where all the rabbits are having babies, and all the animals are having babies. The whole story of, of the earth in its simplicity is told to us and, and dictated by the sun. And yes, the sun does go in cycles. We are in the edge of a giant uh, disk called our, our uh, the great Milky Way. And we're near the edge of it. And mm -hmm. not only are we on this disk, but we're going up and down and up and down to the great cycles of 26,000 years as we go through each one through of processions. our processions. Yes, procession of the equinox. So as we go up through the, the disk and then we come down through the disk, we go through energy levels that vary. And so we are at constant change. And that's what brings cycles. And that's what makes life interesting is changes. And one of the most important things we've learned in our traveling everywhere, many times, many, we go back to the same places again, because we've seen that so many places that, that the hardest thing for us is change. The hardest thing for us is change because we've lived, we've lived here in this beautiful apartment for a week, <laughs> right? And we got, we were going to change. We lived here for a month. We had changed. So people, <laughs> people hate change. They don't do it consciously. But the sun teaches us about change. And the seasons teach us about change. And living in the now. There are actually mythologies that go back that talk about the time before the sun. And the Saturn. You should get a hold of uh, Mr. Talbot in Seattle. He wrote a book about Saturn myth. Oh, I'm fascinated by his work. Yeah, yeah I've, been in, I've been knowing his work for the last 30 years. And he, he's done a wonderful job talking about that. So This is the so, electric universe theory, I believe. No, it is not. It is no. not that at all. No, that was from a guy in Australia. But uh, this is, is uh, from a guy in Seattle who wrote a book called The Saturn Myth. You can do a search on it. Mm. And excellent, yeah. So my library is pretty ex inclusive. It does sound that way. So I will check on uh, my references, and certainly I, I look forward to searching through yours. Uh, going back to a point you made a few minutes ago, you were saying that, you know, taking uh, from a, a part of a you know, segment from a conversation with David Icke, you were saying that we are a managed population. Yeah. Do you do you have any sort of information you can share with us about when you believe that started, or has it, it always been so? It's it's always been so. In fact, uh, you go by Zacharias Ditch, and he was a friend of mine when I lived wow. in New York. Over to his house, so I've met me. I've had over 500 authors. I make it a point, uh, like uh, I, I've known over 500 authors. Uh, you know, Bill Cooper. You know, I don't. I know he's from way back. He's the guy that Zeitgeist is named after. I, 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 I had this huge library in, in uh, Hawaii when I retired of over 2,000 books on secret societies. I had 8,000 books. Some of them went back to the, the 1500s original manuscripts. I owned the first edition of Shakespeare. Incredible. 
and and many other even rarer books. But uh, no, it's it's uh, we've always been a managed population, and and uh, now we're overpopulating the town that we're in in Southeast Asia. I came to with my mother in 1961. There were 14 houses there. Now there are thousands of houses there. And it's the same way throughout the entire earth. And so we're, we're, we're overpopulated. And, and uh, the, the problem is that most of the world is unarable. You can't grow crops in most of the world. So it's rock. It's mountains. It's ocean. And how many people do you really want on earth to have quality of life anyway? Well, Joseph, I'd like to take you up on that point. I mean, I've not traveled anything like the extent that you guys have, but I have been fortunate enough to travel a fair amount. And yes, there are great tracts of land which are not inhabitable. You cannot grow crops and so on. But on the other hand, you know, I mentioned this a few a few weeks ago on, on a show. Um, there is an awful lot of space on this planet which is not being utilized. I don't believe we have a population problem. I think what we have is a, a management problem. Uh, I don't think by the looks of things, if you take the world population and put it into sort of one area, uh, it has, actually would fill up a surprisingly small footprint. I um, understand that. Yeah, I understand that, but that's a, a that's an argument that's used over and over again. But I've been to 150 countries around the world 39 times over 57 years of actual observation, and I've seen every time man grows, nature de- shrinks. And where we're living right now in Southeast Asia, I could go on any day of the week in the evening, turn on the outside lights, and there would be Thousands. I could start an insect collection. Now in Southeast Asia, when you see an insect, you actually go over and take a picture of them because they're so rare. Okay. Mm. So, so do we want, what's our goal? Do we want to cover the earth with people or do we want to be in harmony with nature? Because right now we're anything but. We've, we've destroyed most of the oceans. I'm 72 years old. I've mm-hmm. seen it. And no, I've traveled all my life. I went to 70 countries before I met my first tourists, okay, from 61 to 68. I know what it was like before. I'm one of the few that do, and, and I understand the way that they, that they travel now before COVID. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's just more than I can explain. It's more than I can explain. And, yeah, if you want to all live in Florida or Texas, you know, and it, it – just doesn't work out that way and we are not we, we aren't all living in texas and no i i understand that but at the same time i still think i mean again we don't want to dwell on this as a, a full radio show but there's so many other things to talk about but the bad management even of the disposal of these masks from this deadly covid disease you know which yes. should in fact be toxic things that should be put away in special you know, disposed uh, canisters or something and, you know, hermetically sealed for millions of years or something, but they're not. Most of them end up lying in the road, uh, clutching up the beach. Uh, so the- well, that's the reason why we don't have any bugs or any nature left is because we leave our poisons everywhere. Exactly. We leave our poison 
And there is nobody that's responsible. If you offer them enough money, everybody has their price. What a terrible thing to say. It just happens to be true. You know, I ran Sotheby's in New York, and we had over 2,000 employees and 250 uh, offices around the world, and I was one of the directors for that company. I've had a lot of experience dealing with people. We did $100 billion a year in business and sold art to the, to the wealthiest people in the world, and, and it's Sotheby's. So uh, I've had a lot of experience with that, and, you know, pigs had wings. But the problem is we are not that spiritually evolved enough to be able to take care of the planet. We need to keep our population down. And, yes, there's free energy. I've known about it for years and years, but we don't have it. Mm. And, and I just watched a wonderful documentary. It was called Planet of the Humans. You must watch that. It's talking about alternative energies such as wind, such as, as solar. And what's happening? When you do an experiment, you're supposed to go into it with an open mind, Right. And then you look and see what happens. Well, the experiment is solar. The experiment is wind. They're both not working. The, to keep them maintained, to keep them, to even produce them in the first place, the, the, the feedback has proven to not work. So we're pushing the planet too hard. And we need to be in balance with nature. And no, I disagree with you wholeheartedly. It is way overpopulated. The town we're in, as I said before, used to be 14 houses. Now it's thousands. We were in Africa, traveling through Africa on a public bus. And Nancy was talking to this lady next to her. And the lady was starting to get off. And Nancy said, is this, is this your town? And she laughed. She laughed. There was houses all over the place. She hmm. said, this is my family. Hmm. Incredible. Yeah, Absolutely and this, yeah. so if you, you know. They each have 10 children. Oh, yeah. The story I've told a thousand times to the elders when I'm traveling around is that you and your wife move up to a little valley, a little green valley with a stream coming through it. You, you want to start a farm, so you do the only logical thing. You have 10 kids. So 20 years later, they have 10 kids. 20 years later, they have 10 kids. So in 120 years... 10 kids, mm -hmm. which is not unusual right, as of 30 years ago, uh, you have how many kids? Six generations, only 120 years. You're in this little valley. You started out with two people. How many do you have now? Oh. One million. Indeed. One million. And then 10 years later, what do you have? New York City. Well, Los Angeles. two yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And I physically physically seen it happen mm. and I've seen the button being pushed and we see tens of thousands of unhappy uh, untaken care of uneducated around the world they're having a shitty life and we say let's have more and the reason why we keep wanting more children is simple in America we came up with a social security system mm -hmm. and and so when people like myself, get older, we have a crutch. We put money into the Social Security system, right? Most of the places in the world, they don't have a Social Security system. So when they get old, 
you got nobody to take care of you. You are in deep trouble. So they have lots of kids, and, the, and one of them will say to me on the side is they'll say, I need somebody to take care of me when I get older. Is that a reason to multiply? So, so, no. So there's there's yeah. no quality of life when you have zillions of people, and they eat McDonald's hamburgers. And then you go to the zoo, you go to the zoo where they spend all afternoon preparing the beautiful little dinner for their tiger because the tiger's worth half a million dollars now. And, Mm -hmm. you you, you know, there's only so many tigers are very rare because we killed the rest of them and destroyed their ecosystem. So, so people are eating garbage and tigers are eating, eating the best natural blah, blah. And so the quality of life, and you've noticed, is there's more people. There's more disrespect. There's more disrespect. They mm-hmm. don't disrespect. They don't have any, any idea of elders. If I sit down in Africa with another man in a village and we start talking, I'm telling you, I've done it for years. So I'll have 15, 20 young men sitting around, shutting their mouth, listening to the voice of experience. Because I was really smart when I was 27. I was having the Smithsonian, the British Museum, calling me up almost on a daily basis, asking me for my opinion on things, right? Okay, I'm 72 right now, and I'm telling you what I knew when I was 27 was nothing compared to what I know now. So people need to have uh, an understanding that as years go by, it builds up in respecting uh, people is something that we're losing. I mean, young people say, oh, they're out of date. They're, they're Windows 95. Believe me, I can keep up with the best of them. Have, have yeah. either of you traveled to uh, visit the Dogon tribe? Yeah, Africa? I have. Yes, I, I, would, in, I, would, I would love to I ask would, you about, their, apparently they have this dance where yeah. they symbolize the two stars of the Sirius Mystery. Sirius. Yes, yeah, I'd love Sirius to hear about mystery. that. Yeah, I, I used to know the author of that book, The mm. Serious Mystery. Yeah, I went to visit the Dogon in 1967, before wow. he was there. And uh, we were going to go last year, but they have so many of these revolutions over there. You know, the United States is busy selling military equipment all across Africa and teaching them how to kill each other. Why horrible China is coming in, terrible as they are building highways and bringing in fiber optics for the people. So we're the good guys. I mean, the United States has bombed 70 countries since the Second World War, all undeclared. And we're the good guys. China has bombed one, Tibet, which was for a thousand years part of China. And Russia has bombed a couple countries. But we're the good guys. So the bigger the lie and the more often you tell it, the more people believe it. Well, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, there is a surprisingly small number of people involved in creating and selecting which news goes out, and there's an army of uh, marketing strategists to guide that that information as well. We're we're coming up on a a break. Um, We have just a few seconds before we uh, take a, a natural break at the bottom of the hour. I'd love to hear some more about the symbolism, um, which, which we've, we've only just scratched the surface of, um, which you've gone into so much detail about in your, your, your website. Now, 
one of the things is because it is your website, so you're, because you're so familiar with it, it may be that uh, we, we should sort of ask you some more questions about it because, you know, it, for you, it probably is self-standing. Um, so after the break, I don't know if Aneto or Kintia, if you have any more questions along this, this line, but uh, I'd certainly love to get deeper into some of the symbolism. And, uh, yeah, well, I, might, I, I might suggest that during the break, your listeners might go to our website and take a quick scan of it because it's only two type pages and it could go into it at a depth that we can't on the show because of the illustrations, each illustration Indeed. is worth a thousand words, right? So excellent. Well, that's a great idea, Joseph. And uh, we'll be back just after the break. Here's the big word, law. It stands for land, air, water. When you are born and you come into this world, you're born on the land, not the water. That's what the bar operates in. That's their jurisdiction, the jurisdiction of the sea. Okay? Law stands for land, common law. A stands for air, ecclesiastical law, canon law. And W stands for water, which is admiralty maritime law. That's what lawyers are trained in, which is contract law. It's the difference between legal and lawful is legal applies to that which is incorporated right? Legal persons, which are fictions that are created when we're born. That's what the birth certificate represents people. Okay. It's very disturbing when you understand that truth. For the other side of the news, my name is Christopher James, and I just wanted to give my full support to these wonderful people who are bringing incredible light forward at this time and moment in our world. The truth has never been more important, and I was incredibly blessed to be with them and share with them enormous truths on our very first interview, and I'm looking forward to coming back and seeing our world finally coming together under one hood, under one understanding that there's truly only one of us, and that there's only love that matters in this world, and this one truth is going to save our world, and I'm so blessed to be able to bring this forward and share this light with my fellow man and woman from this show this evening. We'll support them all you can moving forward. An incredible bunch of people. And Godspeed. And welcome back to the other side of the news. Tonight's show is Legacy of Knowledge. And our guests are Nancy and Joseph Gill. And uh, Joseph, we wanted to continue the conversation on symbology, and I invite anyone else, Anetta, whoever, who wants to jump in, too. I noticed that on your site you have the, the section on the sun that we were talking about, but you also have a couple of sections. One is on the swastika, and the other is on the caduceus. And um, I'd like to pick up also about uh, symbology is a language of the soul. So where would you like to go right now? Those are the three things that interest me. Well, I think that the symbolism is the original language. In fact, if you do study the, the, the history of languages and how they evolved, they all evolved firstly from the writing on petroglyphs, writing, petro meaning rock, writing on rocks, and then they evolved. They first would do pictures like little stories on the rocks. We've seen many of them. 
around the world and uh, is telling a story. And so symbolism appeals to the subconscious mind. The biggest business in the world, I believe today, probably is advertising. And advertising uses symbols all the time. You have a Mm -hmm. sexy car, you have a sexy computer. Oh, look at me. You know, it's, it's trying and it's, and so that, that's one part of symbolism and it's, uh, the sun symbolism. Symbolism is a very basic thing. You should have Jordan Maxwell on your show sometimes. He's an expert. He's a detailed guy. I try and teach people how to read symbols themselves in their, in their origins. And so basically we have the sun. We have the 12 signs of the zodiac, which are the 12 apostles, which are the 12 hours of the day, which are the 12 hours of the night. Solos Negro and the sun of the night and the sun of the day. And then we have uh, uh, the, the sex symbolism, which is it's very sexy to have this kind of car, that sort of thing. Best thing really is to read the two page type pages, 40 years of research. I've appeared on radio shows with 8, 10 million people listening to me talk for nine hours. And uh, basically it's kind of like a David Icke speech. But uh, to try and people, it's figuring out the origin of religions and the shell sign that you see when you're driving down the road is very, very simple. It's all just about the sun. And the sun you see in every, every city in the world, and that's the male, and then you always have a drive around, that's the female. Or when you're visiting every country that I've ever been in, you hold your hand up, you hold your fingers apart, and you wave your hand back and forth, and you say, hi, hello, and that's Greek, Helios, which they named a city in uh, Egypt, Heliopolis, uh, the sun city. It used to always be called On. So when you go into the to a, a, a room, you want to turn your light on, right? So you switch the switch up. And when a man gets turned on, what happens? Fill in the blanks. So it's all just about the sun, power above, and the, our, our ability to procreate. That's the greatest, really almost the greatest thing that we've got, our ability to, to procreate. We're self-replicating biological computers. So we come down to... Yeah. As as an artist, I I love working with symbols, and I find that it's it's a universal language, and it's also a personal language. So some symbols, oh, Mara. Yeah. yeah, some yeah. symbols have universal meanings, and uh, you know we artists are love to communicate meanings through paintings, but there yeah. also are uh, dreams in which they can take on a very personal nuance, and I can say that for myself in my life, symbols have played a very strong part. I mean, I was painting and things would just start appearing and I didn't really, it wasn't like I was consciously trying to make the sure. symbol. And then I would yeah. go look it up and it'd say, wow. Oh know? yeah. Well, I was very fortunate enough to spend several hours with Salvador Dali and I spent time with Andy Warhol and They personally, and I'm interested in symbolism, and they are as well, but they understood it from a uh, uh, 
inward sort of spiritual uh, origin, which is what you're talking about. And I understand it from an academic point of view and having seen the symbols around the world. But universal symbols are appealing. And the more symbolism you use in your paintings, the more people will be attracted to it. And that's what I don't find in modern art. I find chaos. So we, we want to enjoy uh, art. We want to have something that's pleasing to the eye, something that reminds us of nature and something that reminds us of our spiritual self. So, yeah, I was very fortunate. I spent several hours with Salvador Dali talking, and uh, I learned a lot from, from him about uh, art and, and what is art. Art is the duplication of nature. There's nothing in nature that we can teach. We can only learn. Well, and, for me, art is the exploration. It's like when you're traveling throughout the world, that's how yeah. I use art. I use it to explore. Absolutely. Explore your inner self. Explore all that was, ever, or is, ever will be. It's inside of you right now, and that's what you're doing. You're discovering what's inside of you. Now, what did Plato say? When we're born, we know everything, and in the process of being born, we forget everything so that this life will be a new and wholly different experience for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Annette, I know you wanted to jump in. No, Annette, I, I have a question for you. I do. Thank you, Cynthia. Turkey, uh, what a wonderful place to be. Oh, well, I'm, I'm in the San Francisco, Tennessee. Oh, well, that's, that's a better, <laughs> better, better, better place. Oh, put in mouth. Put in mouth a little symbolism there. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to talk about the symbol caduceus and all of the, and there's a lot going on there. Uh, yeah. And, and uh, the whole thing about it mapping out, you know, the human body, the, the physical, the electrical, spiritual, and taking that did straight you off your the site. Yes, did I did. Oh, great. So, well, I congratulate you. So I, and, and I, I wanted to talk about that because I know a lot of our listeners obviously haven't had a chance to read it yet. So we're talking about uh, many different kinds of symbolism in that. And I want to talk about what it's, it has represented in the past and also what we're seeing right now. Like we're seeing it with the medical, we're seeing it with the UN, we're seeing a lot of the symbols. So could you go into that a bit? Well, uh, it's, it's the spiral. Everything moves in spirals. Sound, light, everything. We look at it on a piece of paper, it looks like it's waves going up and down, but in truth, it's spiraling. So when you look down upon a swastika, you'll see that it, it's, a spur, it's the whirling sun. It's the whirling sun. And the French call it the gamadian. They call the swastika the gamadian. And so that gamma is the third letter of the Greek alphabet. So four arms of the swastika, four times three is 12. So that's the sun in the center, the solar sun in the center. And the 12 apostles or teachers or months of the year going around that. So it is basically a spiral up the back of your bone, backbone. Which there's, there is, according to Gray's Anatomy, there are three, 33 sections of, of the backbone. And, and then you get up to the top where in uh, the Kundalini Mm -hmm. and that's where the gurus all want to go. And 
and that's where we get our insight. And that's actually that's what your the, the new uh, diseases that they're trying to calcify, along with uh, with um, mer- what mercury, putting mercury in right. and fluoride more importantly. We want to discontinue that. But you go up through the 33 different levels, and that's you know the the 33 different levels in Freemasonry, and uh, it's it, this. The thing was about symbolism is it originated and then it got expanded and you need to go back to the origins to find out the real meaning of the symbols and there isn't a country hardly in the world where they didn't experience the swastika as part of their main culture okay and the swastika is kundalini rising when you look straight down from over your head straight down through your back you see these whirling two serpents, serpent power, which is the meaning of kundalini, and that's our rising self. Well, that also says, it, to me, it looks like the DNA strands. I mean, it, there's well, so, it's, it's everything. Yeah, it's, it's all over the place. It's the, it's the candy cane that you had when you were a kid. You know, it's it's uh, barbershop. it's the barbershop. When you went to the barbershop, you saw that thing going around out front, and uh, it's, it's to remind us of our origins and who we are. It's subliminal advertising at its highest. That's what symbolism is. And the more you know about symbolism, the more you can sell your product, the more you can get your message apart. And it has nothing, yeah, it has nothing to do with good luck. And good luck is people say symbols are good luck when they don't know what they're for. They all have a subliminal subconscious message. And my fortunality is that I've traveled so much for over so many years that I've seen symbols in most all of their environments, from the petroglyphs to the modern art. Uh, and it's, it, it really never changes. It just, just uh, it, it's inner meaning. It's always the same meaning. As above, so below, and as below, so above. So when you think that's DNA, that's right. It's the Kundalini. And books, many books have been written on spirals, on the spirals, like the spiral at the top of your head, your hair spirals around, mm-hmm. the mystic spiral. And, and you know, that's, that's sacred geometry, which is everywhere in nature. You want to know about sacred geometry, you go out and look at flowers. I mean, flowers are just full of sacred geometry. And so man looks at the flowers, the architect looks at the flowers, and then he goes out and duplicates it in his buildings. And then he wins all kinds of awards because he's showing people what he's seen in the flowers. That's symbolism. Yeah. Joseph, I was... Does that... Sorry, please go continue. Is that, is that helpful, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just thinking of, like, the, the uh, Orthodox churches and their spirals. They go around and they kind of come up. And I was like, wow, I, I never thought same, of that before. Same, same. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Yes, yeah. yes, it really is. So there's only a very few basic symbols that once you really understand them. I've actually given people – I had a uh, lady that I knew that I used to teach her about symbols. She was from Europe. And she went back to visit the, the Notre Dame and other churches. She said, I went to the church. I looked at it. Wow, it was like completely different than where I'd been going my whole life because I could see the symbols. 
and see what they meant. And it allowed me to listen to the message. Joseph, what I'm reading from, what I'm hearing from you is that you know, symbolism is, is an un, undefined language that those that know obviously have more control over those that don't know. So right. my question, my curiosity goes back to the origins. There must have been some point in history uh, or in time, and I don't mean in the sort of the uh, sort of very loose uh, last 2,000 years, which we're supposed yeah. to have evolved in. I think that we are far, far older. Um, right. In your, in your opinion, from your travels, you've seen, you've connected lots of dots from different countries and cultures and languages and so on. How old do you think humanity is? I think it, uh, they dug up some spheres in South Africa. Uh, you've heard of Richard Cremo? Wrote the, I have. Uh, yeah, wonderful man. I knew him pretty well. Anyway, he, he, he went through a lot of, of old newspapers, as I did before him. And in, you know, in South Africa, they have dug up these little spheres in, the, in this rock that's supposed to be 2 million years old. And you take the spheres out, and they've got a little bridge that goes around the middle of them. They're in a museum in, in Germany. I visited the museum, and I talked to the curator. And he brought me out by these 80 spheres that they dug out of solid rock, Nice, it's a metamorphic rock. And they were all sitting in this case. And I said, those look like they were made. And he said, you want to know something that I've never told anybody else? He said, we put a little ink spot on each one of those spheres in the same part, on the, same, on, on the, on the outside of the, the equator of the sphere. Yes. And they turned around inside the case, physically turned around every Martian day. So every well, time Mars went around, they went around. And that was told to me personally by the curator of that museum. I've, I've met a lot of curators and worked with them. So this and is like some quantum connection with uh, planets in our solar system so that they're, they're models, they're, they're virtual. Oh, it's, it's, it's the, everything. I'm sorry to tell you, but everything that people have learned at universities, I was a guest lecturer at Harvard for three years. Everything that you've learned at universities is bullshit. Okay? Oh, of course. And it's just a license and, to go to the next step. Right, yeah. right, and the symbols that you that that are are you were talking about here were preceded in many other generations of humanity. We've come and gone. We've we've. It's like the breathing of Brahma, you know, the 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 breathing Brahma, the long breath, and we go through cycles, and it's like the cycles of what we're going through now with this COVID. That's a cycle. It's mm-hmm. a cycle of of learning the values of freedom. And taking the mask off and being the person to, to do that first. It's, everything is in cycles and we get back to the, to the Kundalini, going up the Kundalini, the cycles. So all these things fit in the realm of, of the power above, the sun, the 12 signs of the zodiac. Which Why do you, let me ask you a question. Sure. Why, do you wear, why do you wear a watch if you do? Why do you wear a watch? Well, personally, I wear a particular watch because it is, is a very nice piece of engineering. In my day job, yeah. I'm a yacht designer. I appreciate the way things are engineered, the way they work, and that's why I wear that particular watch. But actually, 
if why okay. would a person wear a watch? Why would a person wear a watch? It's real simple. Normally, normally to tell the time, but I, I that's not the no, primary reason in my case. No, 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 that's not true. Not to tell the time. Why would a person wear a watch? I'm being hard on you. A person wears a watch to realize where the sun is in the sky. Oh, my God, it's 11 o'clock. It's going to be 12 o'clock. I'm going to go out and have lunch. <laughs> oh, it's 6 o'clock at night. The sun will be going down. I better get home. So time is only your, your, your man-made connection between where the sun is and where you're at. They call that time. And that's True. ridiculous. Just go to the sun. It, you wear a watch to find out where the sun is in the sky so you know where you are in the day. It's four, 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm looking at my watch. But I better get going. The sun will rise up any minute now. I, so I see also, your point. Yeah. I see your yeah. point. Yeah. yeah but, like I I'm not really a, a particular uh, time fanatic, actually. I, I, I have a saying that if, if, if for a reason... I'm running late for something, you know, maybe it's out of, not in my control. And I say, and well, you were, here, you were here on time, weren't you, for the show? I was, yeah, indeed. I, well, indeed. But my, 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 my point know, we're is all that, into time. Everybody's into time. You better be on time. You won't get my respect. Well, you know, because my time is as valuable as your time. Well, indeed, indeed. Yes. And that's the way we all need to, we need to honor ourselves. And for the time, and when somebody shows up late, I don't like it. I'm very unhappy because they've disrespected my my honor of time. Life is time. Um, this is Keith Morgan, um, your engineer. Also discovered the Morgan Curve on Mars. We're living in the 21st century, but we've got a lot of people who are still thinking with 13th century mentality. And they would love to burn some of these people at the stake, but they can't get away with that nowadays. So we are in, <laughs> we're in a era of enlightenment, and we're about to learn something that's going to just take a lot of these uh, ancient thinkings and change them. And that's what's about to happen, because change is that one absolute that's indisputable. I don't care who you are, what you are, where you are. You cannot dispute yeah. change. It's lovely. It's lovely. Change is lovely. Yeah, I agree. I mean, as I said earlier in my in my talking with you, is that the thing that people hate the most is change, and yet it's what we'll always face because every day when the sun comes up, it's a new opportunity. And I would say be on be on time because we respect time. Joseph. Yeah. So Keith on something, I think Keith was probably referring to disclosure, and I'd like you oh, to share. Yeah. I'd like you to share the uh, story about what happens when you travel around the world and they ask to look at your <laughs> your tongue. Oh sure. So yeah, as, uh, when I went to China. Uh, which you'll never meet. When I went into China in 1967, uh, I was in northern India. I walked across the border for a few days on my own and stayed in a couple villages on my own. And every old people, every old person that I met, stuck stuck their tongue out at me, right out, just like. And when I was in uh, New Zealand and I was up in a graveyard, and I uh, met an old 
uh, an elder there, a Maori elder. And he invited Nancy and I to his temple because I was interpreting their symbols inside of their temple for them. And he, they stick their tongue out. And then you go to Peru, where you go up in the mountains in the 60s, maybe early 70s. All the old people would stick their tongue out at you. And then you've heard of the American Indian saying, you speak with a forked tongue. So I asked this Maori guy, I said, the elder, I said, why do you stick your tongue out? And he said, to look fierce. And I said, absolutely wrong. The reason why you stick your tongue out is so that I can see if you have a forked tongue. And if you're a forked tongue, then you are a lizard person and you are my enemy. And this I've seen personally all around the world. And yes, we are a managed population. And David Icke's original message is, is true. And, oh, no, that couldn't be. But it's true. You know, and, and actually, uh, Zacharias Itchen, he knew all about it. We talked about it. He knew all about it. He'd been with them. And that's the reason why he released that information. And yeah, I thought that was just such an amazing story that you're traveling in these different places in the world and they're asking you to stick out your tongue. I mean, what are the odds? I mean, if one place, all those places. No, no, it's, 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 it's universal. The God, the time, come on, everybody, the time when the gods walked among us, the Naga, we went to Naga land in India, which is right on the border of Miramar. And no one goes there. No one goes there. I mean, no one. And you cannot go there. We got thrown we, out. We, we got thrown out. We went over to Magalaya, which is another province in far eastern India, where uh, we saw 35 stone hinges in 20 minutes. And I talked to Graham Hancock about it, and he's written several books on on uh, on Megalia, Megalis, and I told him about it. He said I'd never heard of it. Really, and all amazing. Places, oh yeah, yeah. And I just talked a couple of years ago. Yeah. So yeah, you know, we're learning a lot about our past. That's a lot to remember. And then we have to learn from the past. You, you know, that's a mistake to not think that you can learn from the past because everything in the past is some. If you don't learn from the past, you're doomed to repeat it. You know, say so bad or good. You need to learn from the past. As I was talking to Sasha Stone, and you know who he is, and, and, and he says, I want to know what's going on now. I said, well, if you want to know what's going on now, you need to, to sit down with some of the books that I'm giving you and learn the history, because then you'll know where we're going. If you don't understand the people that, or whoever has put together the system, which we're experiencing now in spades, you're not going to do anything about it. You're not going to be able to do anything about it. We are in control. And I'm not saying give up, but I'm saying you better start learning your lessons. That's Find what, your power. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, George Maxwell would say that. And it, it was an interesting. I love George Maxwell. He's a great guy. Met him a few times, but uh, he was at a meeting in somewhere around the United States with 10 other speakers, and they asked him to close out with a statement of hope. Jordan Maxwell. And it went all the way across. Richard Hoagland was there and a bunch of other guys. And they got to him, and he looked at the camera. He says, 
I ain't got any. I haven't got any. <laughs> We've and they hated him, and no. they hated him for it. They hate. Come on now, let us have some hope. Let's have us some hope. He says, "Look, you know, I'm telling you right now on this show. I have been traveling continually for 58 years around the world. No one knows this world much more than I do. Through personal experience and eyesight, and I haven't seen one damn thing change." And that's what Jordan Maxwell would say as well. I haven't seen. We got all kinds of people graduating in ecology. And I look at them and I said, there isn't any ecology left. We're traveling through Africa and Asia. We're seeing no animals. No bugs. No bugs. No animals. But that doesn't mean that you ever give up hope. They used to have tigers where we're at right now. They haven't seen one. I always just tell them, well, ask your grandfather. Ask your grandfather. And this is a terrible thing that I'm saying right now. It just happens to be the truth, as I've experienced over many years. You know. Well, you can't solve problems with the same consciousness. We're going through a cycle. We're going through a cycle, and the cycle isn't going to be pleasant. I mean, didn't the head scientist that found HIV said last week, we don't have any cure for what the vaccination is putting in you. And we better get ready for the crematoriums. Oh, yep. that's well, what just, he said. He ain't no stupid man, and he's putting his whole reputation out on the line by saying that. Joseph, Time that, for people to wake up. Absolutely. Now that's a complete another show. Maybe you can come back and tell us more about that one. <laughs> Guys, we're out of time. We're out of runway. So despite the initial unpleasant realization of the truth, you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists, and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda, to make your own independent research, to stop acquiescing, and to stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you were born with power, and you wake up each day with power. It is entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away. You've been listening to another live broadcast of The Other Side of the News. The 60th edition is entitled Legacy of Knowledge and remains available to all listeners free of charge at www.theothersideofmidnight.com forward slash T-O-S-N. My name is Timothy Saunders, and together with co-host and producer Cynthia and co-host and researcher Annette Driscoll, offer special thanks to our guests, Nancy and Joseph Gill. We wish you all a very positive week. I look forward to reconnecting with you on our next edition next Friday. Good night, all.